following message is from the 2015 IBCD Summer Institute, equipped to counsel. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this morning, Lord. Thank you for the reminder of your truth and just the timeliness, the, the ways in which we can lean so heavily on your word to help people in various different situations and circumstances. God, we pray that you will um, continue to help us see and, and bring to light the, um, just the truth of your word, the truth of your gospel in the lives of, of those around us, and specifically, Lord, in the case today that we're talking about today. God, will you equip us through that? Um, help us learn and grow and deepen our dependence upon you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So um, I'm going to wait just a, just another minute or two because we're, we're, we're doing this, this breakout session. asked me to do something a little bit different. And that's where we're just going to be talking through a case study. So instead of kind of me presenting what depression is or particular verses, we're actually going to kind of just pool knowledge and process through together a little bit of um, a, a specific case study and kind of just, just talk through it and be able to, to learn and glean from one another. This is actually, for, for me personally, this is actually one of my favorite contexts to learn and to grow and to engage. Um, because I think it, it keeps us sharp and aware and engaged. We're not seeking to just input, but we're trying to process through, identify what, what would we say, what would we do, how would this, how would this work ourselves. So how, do, how, how many of you is this your first IBCD conference? Okay, I'm really, all right. Me too. So, um, And... Um, as we as we do this, hopefully, what's what's going to happen is that we'll we'll talk through this and talk through this 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 case study, and you'll get an idea not just of what, um, but both of what Scripture says, what different passages people would go to, how would they they would uh, identify both what's going on and what truth this person might need to hear. But hopefully, you'll also get a, a an appreciation for how we would go about actually talking to someone. Um, I, I've, over the course of the last few years, I've done a survey of the small group leaders in our church. Um, one a number of years ago, and then one this, this, this past year, just asking them what the most common issues they're facing with just the people in their, in their community groups, the people in, as well as what are the most common issues that pop up, and every time I've done the survey, depression is number one. Um, part of that, I think, is because depression is such a large and broad umbrella term for there's a problem. Um, even in its even 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 in its diagnostical uh, nature, it is incredibly broad, incredibly general. I, one um, actually a secular psychologist used to be the head of psychology at Duke, but he 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 referred to depression. He said, you know, sometimes I think it's it would better be thought of like a fever in general medicine. It's it's not a distinct it's not necessarily a distinct disorder in and of itself, but it's this huge red flag that says. Something's wrong, right? Something's wrong, and and, and we and, and we've attached that something's wrong this, this this label of depression, right? That can involve anything from guilt to shame to sadness to lethargy to um, sleeping problems to fatigue and all sorts of different things. It can mean oftentimes very different, very different things in different people. One person's struggle with depression is not the same as someone else's struggle with depression. And actually, the same person's different bouts of depression may be very different. You know, struggling with depression at 20 may be very different than the struggle they go through at 25 and what they experience and what's causing that, what's going on. So with that, we're going to look at just one example. Kind of one example of a, a situation, a case study of a um, woman named Kendra, and hopefully be able to identify some of, of how we might go about this. So, and I, I also I, I debated back and forth, but I decided not to print this out and hand it to you all 
because I believe so, so I, one of the greatest tools and tasks and skills that we all need to learn and grow in as counselors is listening is the ability to hear someone speak and understand what they're saying. I might say this probably more from experience than anything else. One of the biggest biggest hurdles I got over as a as I got into more and more into biblical counseling is I realized I'm like I just need to be a good listener. Um, and you know, I, this is for free, but I'll tell you the one little secret that I found. I asked, and you, you ever meet a really good question asker? Or somebody just asks like great questions. I'm like, how do I do that? And so I compiled all these like lists, right, of like great questions. And I realized that the lists weren't helpful. The number one like key to being a good listener and a good question asker is to care. <laughs> like you, you actually have to care, right? It brings us back to this call we have to love one another. Right, to, act, to not do counseling as a ministry, but as an act of love. This is, I'm invested in you. I care. And, and all of a sudden, when I stopped trying to be a good listener and s- tried to love someone, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I have all sorts of questions. <laughs> um, some people are naturally more good question askers than others, but it's a helpful piece. So, with that, let's all, now we're all going to you know, seek to love this pretend person. Right. Um, but Kendra. So Kendra is in her mid-20s. She's a mid-20s Christian who you've known for a while now. She's been attending your church for about a year. And she's been regularly coming to your community group for the past five months. Kendra is quiet at first, like most new people usually are. But as she's become more comfortable, she's become a lot more fun to be around. She's funny, likes to joke around, and she can have some really encouraging insights when you're discussing the previous Sunday sermon. Kendra has her struggles. She's confessed as much to the group when asking for prayer, but nothing out of the ordinary. Her relationship with her parents isn't great, and her mom always wants her to visit home more. Her parents are divorced, and they both live about an hour away from her. Um, Kendra tries not to spend too much time with them because her parents are always giving her a hard time about how much time she's spending with the other one. Sometimes it's hard for her to find joy at work because her job can seem so boring. She wants to connect with the people in her office and share Christ with them, but she doesn't know what to say and she's not quite sure how to do it. You know, kind of like you. Overall, however, you're really encouraged by your friendship with Kendra. She's a, a pretty solid girl. Now, last week, as everyone was leaving from community group, Kendra hung back and waited for everyone to leave. She asked if she could take, talk to you for just a minute. She tells you she's been having a pretty rough week, and she's not sure what to do about it. As you ask a few probing questions, Kendra begins to open up. She says, last, week, last weekend was really hard. I mean, I just don't understand it. I go through these valleys sometimes when I just feel so depressed, and I don't know what to do. Friday night, I just stayed home. I didn't want to do anything. I watched a movie, but that didn't even seem fun. So I just went to bed. I slept for 12 hours, and when I woke up, I still didn't feel like getting up. In fact, I stayed in bed all day Saturday. I just laid there. I never got up. I think my roommates just thought I wasn't home. I laid there all day through Saturday night. I dragged myself out of bed Sunday morning because I knew I needed to go to church. But it was such a struggle. I didn't feel close to God. I didn't really want to talk to anyone. And this week, things haven't gotten any better. I've been able to get out of bed in the morning, although I've been late to work three times already. And I still just feel really depressed. This doesn't feel like me. I I don't know... I know I'm not supposed to feel like this, but I can't help it. I just felt like I should tell someone. So I'm sorry to lay all this on you. I'm just not sure where else to go. So I have some more information we'll we'll learn as we go on with Kendra. But the the first question I want to ask is, where would you start with Kendra? So somebody... She, she, she shares this with you, kind of in a casual, she, she didn't ask for counseling, she didn't set up an appointment, she's just in your community group, and she shares this with you. 
Where, where would you start? What would you say? What would you do? Where would you start with Kendra? I want to know what happened prior to Friday. Okay. Yeah. What did he say? He said, he said he'd want to know what, what happened prior to Friday. Ask if she had an idea. Ask if she had an idea of what, what's causing it. Okay. I think I'd just, I'd just say that sounds really hard. Mm. Yeah, so you say that, that just sounds really hard. Yeah. Just yeah. Just deal with her a little. Yeah, yeah, affirming what's going on. Yeah. Maybe how, how she sees God fitting into this whole picture. Okay. Yeah, how does she God, feel God fitting into this? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I think I commit to meet with her on a regular basis. Okay. Period with my wife. Okay, commit to meet with her on a regular basis with your wife. You know there's going to be ongoing Yeah, there's going to be ongoing care. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, because this is a great point, right? So you said, you know, I, we, we should try to identify what's, or try to just identify with her, right? Assure her, assure her of Christ's love, assure her of your love, right? She, she feels like, obviously, she's kind of been hesitant and doesn't know if this is a safe place. So you're assuring her this is a safe place, which is, which is where there's a, um, a fascinating difference to me to what should you say to her and what should you say to her right now right Um, because there's so many things we could say to her right there's so many things we could do there's so many thoughts even potentials and and questions filling up your mind and uh, it makes me think of um, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 right I don't know if you're familiar with this but let's let me open it there Where, I'm sorry, that's not it. 14, 514. Um, 2 Corinthians 517 is a verse you should remember. 514. 1 Thessalonians 514. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. Right? How you minister, whether this person needs admonishment or encouragement or help, depends on whether they are idle, faint-hearted, or weak. Because we want to be careful not to admonish the weak. Right? Or encourage the idle. Right? And oftentimes when we when when we start this conversation, we don't know, and we're called to to a patience with them all, right? With a patient, just patiently walking through them. We, we, we want to know. Okay, I, I know all the questions I can I can ask here, but we will oftentimes need to just start with an assurance. Start with an assurance that I'll, I'll we'll be here for you. You know, I, it's. You know, everybody just left community group, right? It's like 9.30 at night. We're not going to fix this tonight. <laughs> you know? Um, but, but I can commit to you. Right? We, we can commit to you to, to walk through this with you and, and assure her that we love you and that Christ loves you. And as we, as we kind of set the stage for the questions that we're going to want to ask... But ask, answering um, this. So, any, any other any other thoughts? Any other thoughts of how? Actually, any thoughts about how you could assure, encourage, um, what what you might say or what you might do, in addition to this kind of pray with her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that Christ can identify with her and that, um, yeah, he loves her and is there. 
What else might you do? Yes. There's a lot of value to giving her choices too in terms of yeah, here I would love to, to walk through this with you. What does this look like to you? Can you set up a time for you to Just I think sometimes our problem is sometimes make people feel even a little bit claustrophobic. So just yeah. putting it up and saying, I'm here. Um, how, how, how does this look to you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Given her choices, like, yeah, what does this look like? You know, and 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 you begin, you can begin to ask the question, like, like even you can begin to ask the question internally. Why is she talking to me? Right? Like, is she talking to me as a? I mean, I ask this a lot of times as a pastor. Right? Okay, are you are, are you coming to me because you're looking for a pastor? Are you coming to me because you're looking as a for a counselor? Are you coming to me because you're looking for a friend? Are you com- coming to me because you're looking for your community group leader? Are you coming to me because you know? And the only person you could possibly talk to, um, and I, like I don't begrudge that. Like I'm all those things, right? Like I I, I don't have to. Like, this, I don't have to for my sake categorize who I am. But in order for for their sake, because and, and this is where I think you know, well, we'll, we'll get into that in a, in a minute. But um, what what else might you be? Able, so so that's something you can say. What else might you say or might you do? Yeah. Yeah, you can share a similar experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, like you said, depending on how what the relationship I already have with this person is, mm-hmm. um, I do think about like experiences that you've had, but maybe grounding them in scripture, mm-hmm. uh, giving her an assurance that there's room to feel this way and still be progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have needed to hear that myself when it goes times of depression. Yeah. Like Psalm 42, where David's talking to his soul. Mm-hmm. He says, hope in God, I shall yet praise him. So there's like a right now it hurts and it can hurt for a while. You mm-hmm. know, Jim talks about that in his videos. Yeah. In terms of it could be a long time, it doesn't mean that God doesn't have this plan for you. Yeah, absolutely. Sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that I might try to do say something like thank you mm. for sharing this with me mm-hmm. and try to do whatever I can to normalize maybe she doesn't have a paradigm for sharing these kinds of things or this kind of community and she, but she just needs I just want to share this I feel like somebody should know Yeah. and just give her a context of we're brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. and this is so good this is what the church is for this is what our small group is for this is yeah. what me and my wife are here for so thank yeah. you yeah. and it's you know it's just an encouragement and honor to us to be able to enter into a little bit into your life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I mean, and, and for you guys, this is a, this is a case study, so don't get too caught up on the fact, well, I wouldn't say anything to her. She's a woman. I, you know, I don't want to, like, you know, pretend, pretend she's a guy. That's fine. We're, you know, like, we're, we're, we're just talking about the like, context, right, of, like, what you would, you know, yeah, what you would do. But um, I, I think, yeah, you're absolutely affirming this. And one of the things that I think particularly when we talk about counseling um, that that term is in many ways kind of defined by uh, even that term is defined by the culture around us right? and the form of it is oftentimes defined by the culture around us and, and that's okay depending on what the person is looking for but one of the questions I often ha- ask myself is not only what can I say but what can I do what what can I do to help this? Because it, counseling in a secular setting is not... You're only supposed to speak, right? You're not supposed to do anything. But our act, our actions of love can convey and pro- help provide a um, that safe place and that, that, that welcoming, right? We're not just limited to our words. Right? We're not handcuffed in that way. Um, what, what are some... Thoughts about just ways that you might even suggest. Again, you know, this it's going to depend on the response and who who they are and what's it. But what are some options that you could suggest of things you could do, even just off the bat with with Kendra? Well, I have you know a home and a family that are running. And say, hey, why don't I come to come get you tomorrow morning and get you out of bed and come work 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, you know, just, just a, a practical thing like inviting her over for the day. I mean, if she needs to go to work, maybe it's just a phone call, right? Like, hey, let me, let, let me give you a, a, a phone, you know, let me give you a call and help make sure that you're on time to work, right? Because that's another one of these things, right? So she's, she's been late three times this week to work. You're looking for the types of things that contribute to the spiral, right? That contribute to this depression and to this depressive spiral and an upset boss at work is going to contribute, right, to the downward spiral and the guilt and the shame, the, you know, coworkers seeing you walk in at, you know, 1030 when everybody's supposed to be there at 10 or whatever, you know. Um, and again, you, you, you can't, like, solve all the problems, right? But there might be a small way that you can serve and help and, yeah, you know. Do, do something to yeah to serve her. So let, let, let me so let me let, let, let's add a little bit of, of context, right? So so you seek to kind of you're, you're asking some you're asking some questions. You know maybe you you've met up a couple of times. Maybe she does come over and you've talked. And as you've talked um, with Kendra, you you learn a few additional things. Um, she first of all she took antidepressants in college and they worked for her. But she stopped because she thought that when she became a Christian, she was over it. Um, she was an excellent student in college and now has a job that's enjoyable, but not her dream job. Um, her dad was really angry, which is why her parents divorced. And as a result of her dad's borderline abuse, her mom became extremely overprotective and still acts that way towards her. Um, she, she feels guilty for being depressed, and she feels that if she really loved God, this wouldn't happen. She knows many of the verses in Scripture about having joy, and she just doesn't know how it's possible. Right? So she's familiar with Scripture, and you know, if you were to turn to Philippians, she'd say, I know, I know. Um, so what... What do you think might be contributing contributing factors to what Kendra's experiencing? What, what could possibly, and what, what are some things that you want to explore more? Um, do we have a whiteboard here? We do have a whiteboard here. Um, what, let me grab this real quick. A whiteboard and wheels. Look at this. We just struck gold. All right. What, what are some of the things that might be contributing to, um, to what Kendra's experiencing that you would want to explore more? Yes. Unmet expectations. Okay. Yeah, she, she has an idea of what the Christian life should be, both from God and, and from others, and, and, yeah, and it's different. Unruly thoughts, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Her her belief of her her belief in in who God actually is, right? That that He's good and that He's love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of shame. What else do you hear? Parents. Parents? You want to explore her relationship with her parents. Okay. Let me um, just... So I'm, I'm going to read both of these again. Okay? Just... Let, let you kind of hear it again because again in, in a relationship you'd ask questions multiple times 
you know, you might, might, might hear things. So let, let me read these again and just, again, just, just see what you're, what you're hearing, what might be contributing to. And again, this is a gigantic might, right? This is the downfall of case studies, right? We're, we're not talking about a real person here. And, you know, whether, but, but just what are some of the areas that you want to explore, things that might be contributing? So Kendra's in her mid-20s. Um, she's been attending the church for a year in your community group for five months. Um, she was quiet at first, like most people usually are, and she's become more comfortable, and she's fun to be around. Um, she has her struggles, as she's confessed as much to the, to the group. Her relationship with her parents isn't great. Her mom always wants her to visit home. Her parents are divorced, and they both live about an hour away. She tries not to spend too much time with them because her parents are always giving her a hard time about how much time she's spending with the other one. Sometimes it's hard for her to find joy in work because her job can seem so boring. She wants to connect with the people in her office and share Christ with them, but she doesn't know what to say, and she's not quite sure how to do it. Overall, however, you're really encouraged by your friendship with her. Uh, She says, last week was really hard. I just don't understand it. I got, go through these valleys sometimes when I just feel so depressed and I don't know what to do. Friday night, I just stayed home. I didn't want to do anything. I watched a movie, but that didn't even seem fun. So I just went to bed. I slept for 12 hours, but when I woke up, I still didn't feel like getting up. Um, actually, let's, here, here's where we're, 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 let's take these as a chunk at a time. What have, what have you heard so far in that that, might, that you might want to explore? Yes. Okay. She might be overanalyzing it. There's a lot going on. What else do you hear? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as much as you can always assume that, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, 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 there's. I'm not going to jerk the wheel, and all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> she's not even a Christian, you know. Um, <laughs> So, yes. She mentioned wanting to connect with people at work. She at our church for a year in a small group for five months. Mm-hmm. So, I want to explore friendships. Does she have this message? Let's say college in the city. That's a great. didn't know she was a medalist. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great that's a great thought, right? How do we explore these friendships, right? If um, yeah, if she's only been here a while, where, where was she before? How long was she there, right? And and she's you know yeah no, you know nobody really noticed that she was in bed all day. Yeah, explore just kind of the area of friendships, just to again gain some more information. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. That's a great, yeah. So, so, so she says she's gone through these patterns of depression. So, you know, yeah, how, how, how have that, um, how long have a part of this been? Well, I mean, like, with friendships, it seems like, I don't know what her interests are. Mm. What does she put her energy into other than, you know, being overanalyzing yep. her situation? Yep. How much does she just need to adjust? Mm-hmm. Does she need something to put her energy into that's going to challenge her? Yeah. If her job is not challenging, where is she serving? Where is she caring Mm -hmm. about others? That's a great observation, right? She was an excellent student, and now she's in a boring job. Right? Again, the, the, the temptation of a counselor is to find the golden ticket. Right, the thing that's going to fix all this. Like, that's that's not it. But that may be a significant contributor. Right, it's a significant piece there. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 What's she passionate about? And maybe even, maybe even, and because in, in this moment she might say nothing. Say, okay, what were you passionate about before Friday? <laughs> right? Like, like what, what? What are you? What are you? Have you been passionate about? Mm-hmm. Pattern of unmet expectations. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in a number of areas of life, which 
I mean, it's a great observation. And I mean, if, if you want to put like a star on something, like let's ex- let's explore this. You want to talk about a younger generation in this country. Unmet expectations is a like huge swath because they've been told we've been told since we were in kindergarten that we're special. Right? And that we are going to achieve great things and that everything is going to be great and beautiful. And, um, and even just economically, most people in this generation will live less affluently than their parents. And it's a huge... Uh, it's a very, very common theme, not, not just in her, but in, yeah, in, in people... I mean, it's not just a young person thing. Unmet expectations is just a young person thing, but it, I think it's increasing in, in impact as we go. Yeah. Um, let, me, let, me, uh, let, me, let me keep reading, right? So she says um, she be- stayed in bed all day. Her roommates thought she was home. She dragged herself out of bed Sunday morning because I knew I needed to go to church, but it was such a struggle. I don't feel close to God, and I didn't really want to talk to anyone. This week, things have gotten a little better. I've been able to get out of bed in the morning, although I've been late to work three times already. I just feel so depressed. It doesn't feel like me. I know I'm not supposed to feel like this, but I can't help it. Um, She took antidepressants in college, and they worked for her, but she stopped because she thought she was over it when she became a Christian. She was an excellent student in college and now has a job that's enjoyable, but not her dream. Her dad was really angry, which is why her parents divorced, and as a result, her dad's borderline abuse, her mom became extremely overprotective and still acts that way towards her. She feels guilty for being depressed. She feels like she was, if she really loved God, this wouldn't happen. And she knows the verses in Scripture that talk about having joy. Yes? She's got false belief on what it means to be a Christian. Okay. What, what do you mean by, if she has false belief in what it means to be a Christian, what do you, what do you mean by that? She's got a relationship with God. it mean to be close to God? Yes. It also seems like she's trying to solve everything at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's trying to solve everything. What else would you want to know about or maybe explore a little bit. Yes. Um, these are all becoming subcategories, I think. But um, her uh, understanding of God's love, mm-hmm. and that's under belief. Of yeah. God, that having a, a father figure uh, unloving just messes with your view of God's love, mm. the gospel. Mm. So this is a great, a great observation, and uh, yes. You mentioned that antidepressants help. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You we're gonna w- want to explore what. What do you mean by they helped, and what did it look like? Yeah, you know, when you went off of them, right? What is? What was that experience? Um, Yep. She's only in her twenties, so she hasn't. She really hasn't been a believer very long. Mm-mm. Maybe not an awful very long. So she may be looking for the same thing in the present still, and that we have to Abs- well, that's a great that's a great observation. She might be looking for the same things the antidepressants did in God. Right? God, do for me what the antidepressants did, which may be different from God's goal in her and for her. Yes? The other question is, is did the antidepressants actually fix a problem, or did it just give her a false sense that 
Mm hmm Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes? So if any depressed person you need to go to potential um, physical causes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so okay, so and, and this is interesting, right? So we've been it's a great it's a great point. Um, and so we've been talking about this for a little over half an hour. And we've just started to get to the questions of how is she suffering? Right? Most of what we talked about to this point has been about ways that she's misunderstanding, that her belief is problem, that there's a heart issue, right? She has unmet expectations, you know, unruly thoughts, b belief problems, shame over analyzing, false belief, you know, what about being close to God? She wants to solve everything. She misunderstands God's love. Um, you know, these, these patterns, like, but we've started to, I think, more and more, as we, and, and this happens, um, this ha it, it happens almost always like this when we talk about this in a setting like this. And I, I point it out because in practice, th these two emphases need to be flipped. Where our mind, as biblical counselors, as people who are saturated in the word of God, and even in our own sin, very quickly jumps to what, wh what sin might be contributing to this problem. Because there, there is, right? There, there is absolutely sin in her life that is contributing to this problem. And it, but it sometimes takes us a while, and, and oftentimes just the personal touch and the connection to appreciate... I, I wonder how this relationship with an angry father has shaped her experience, and even her knowledge of God. Right? What, what about the fact that she's a new believer... And she may have heard, you know, Philippians 4 and rejoice in the Lord always, but it's a pretty safe bet that she has no idea what that means. <laughs> right? That, that, that she doesn't even have a category for biblical joy. That, that this might not be a, a lack of... Um, then in some ways, it may not be a, a, a denial of what God wants and, and, and of God's joy, but simply... A, lack of ever having understood it. Um, uh, not to mention the physical causes. Right? What, what's physically contributing to it? What, one of the questions that, hit, that hits my brain when I hear this is, why did she sleep for 12 hours? Right? I mean, sometimes that's simply because you're depressed, but oftentimes, was she sleeping at all before then? <laughs> Right, I mean, sleeping twelve hours in a in a spot says, okay, something's going on here. Maybe some, nothing physical is going on, but maybe something is. She's physically exhausted and tired for some reason. Right, what went on before this? What went on before Friday? What what might be physically going on that's leaving her fatigued? Um, what's her sleep habits been like before this? What are some different? Um, yeah, has she been taking any medication for, for anything else, right? Did she just go on or off of birth control, right? Did, uh, oh, yeah, I never really thought that, that would affect anything, right? Like, I mean, people can make significant changes in things that affect their body without even putting two and two together that this might affect how I, how I feel or, or what's going on. Not, not to mention the transition, yeah, the transition out of college, the, the, what she's experiencing at work. And she's hearing, as a new Christian, a lot of great sermons telling her to be a missionary in her workplace and to love her neighbor and to do all these things. And, and that's great, right? But she doesn't know what to do with it all, right? She doesn't know what to do with it all. And my, my point is not that all the outside factors are causing her depression and we really just need to understand her as a victim. No. Like, there's some serious... Uh, lack of uh, lack of belief, uh, some serious expectations that she has, some heart issues that she's looking for. Um, I, I mean, I love the idea of uh, how is the medication? How has she suffered as a result of having gone on on and off of medication, e either physically or even just in her expectations, right? Of what it looks like to be healthy and to be functioning well um, is functioning well. 
as a non-Christian with a medication looks fundamentally different than functioning well through seek getting uh, joy and hope in God, right? And so we're, we're starting to, to see that, that there, there's, as we explore these, there are both heart issues and circumstantial issues that we need to help understand and appreciate to understand what's, what's going on with this specific person. Um, and, and, and what's going on with, what, you know, what might be uh, contributing to this, this expression. Yes? I'm struck with um, isolation. Mm. Everybody has an opinion. Mm-hmm. And so, you, as a new believer, you are experiencing God's love, but you grow at different rates. Yeah. And so it's overwhelming because everybody's telling you what you could, should do, and even calling and saying, hey, I'll take you here. That might be bombardment. Mm-hmm. And so it's really understanding and it's like walking through with them and maybe sharing your experiences. Yeah. And loving them through God's word and just coming to Christ's suffering and, and, and hope, the message of hope. Yeah. That this is a spot in time right now that Christ changes things. Yeah. And just hold on and, and you come up alongside of them. Yeah. And in that, you're experiencing. A suffering of your own because it takes patience, mm-hmm. kindness, yeah. um, unending loyalty, and that um, you put your side, your yourself aside. Yeah. And that active listening is hearing and sometimes not speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Not speaking. Yeah. Just staying. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, and one of the things I, I also want to help us see here is that. Um, there, there's, there's not one simplistic issue you need to identify and solve. And, um, you know, uh, the world, it's very popular in the world to go on what, what are kind of <laughs> sometimes called hurt hunts, right? Go on a hunt for the hurt that happened in your past that has defined you, right? And then if we can provide healing for that hurt, you will be forever changed um, as Christians and as biblical counselors we're not above that it is a very real temptation to both either head out on hurt hunts or to head out on idol hunts as David Pallison calls them idol hunts saying okay if we just find the key idol we just find the key issue right? is it your relationship with your father or is it some something physical going on or is it this isolation or is it these unmet expectations and the answer is well yes and you're just that complicated too <laughs> right i mean as, as you're growing in christ there's a whole list and, and maybe even a similar list to a lot of these things that, that, that at different times get in the way of your growth with Jesus. And there's, and the reason, and we get sucked in, oftentimes we get sucked into looking for the silver bullet because that's what the counselee wants, right? They're like, I've, I've taken a pill before and it made me feel better, right? Give me the verse, the truth, the insight that can make me feel instantly better. And that might happen, right? I mean, it, it happens sometimes where you open their eyes to, you know, or God, you share the scriptures and, and the Holy Spirit opens their eyes to a truth and it changes their perspective. Um, but that, that's, that's not his promise. You know, he doesn't promise that his timing is always exactly the easiest timing for you <laughs> or the most convenient timing or even what, what they want, right? And so... Um, it, so, we're, so we, we want to seek to address all these things with truth, and not, but, but not being overwhelmed by them. Because the person who ministers to you, your spouse or your friends, aren't overwhelmed with them in your life. <laughs> right? You're continuing to grow towards Christ. You, God is sanctifying you faithfully, um, but doesn't have to like, lay out the laundry list every time you want to talk about something. So, so, you, so you, okay, where should we start? 
right? What, what, can we, what might be helpful? How can I seek to love you well as we look at, at anyone? So as we do that, what, what are some, I, 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 and I, I wanted to preface that because I want to ask what are some truths in Scripture that can speak to some of these struggles, either the suffering or the sin. But I wanted to preface it because the temptation is, what's the verse I need to know, right, that can heal Kendra? Um, and maybe you don't struggle that way, but I know I do as a counselor. <laughs> I mean, I just like, that is that a temptation. Like, I'm like, ah. And it only becomes a bigger temptation because every once in a while it does happen, right? Like, you share a scripture and they're like, oh my gosh, you changed my life. I'm like, why can't I do that all the time? You know, like, that's, but because because God is working in different ways and in different paces with different hearts, drawing people to himself. So with that, what are some, what are some truths? What are some passages? What's somewhere where hearing this and, and, and knowing this about Kendra, where you say, you know, maybe I could go here and, and, and share this, would want to share this with you. Yes? Okay. Yeah. That's a great point. The Psalms are a great, gentle way to address the issue of unmet expectations, right? You're not confronting the expectation, saying that's wrong. You're like, let's just, hey, let, let's look at some really godly people and about what they said. Right and help them identify with that. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're changing their expectations. You're yeah, gently coming along. Yes. That relieves some of the guilt too, because they can identify. Mm-hmm. Yep. With a man that's after God's own heart. Yeah. And how beloved he is. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I don't know generational sin. You know, mm-hmm. it could be where um, certain family patterns and thoughts, and so you're fighting against those thoughts and mm-hmm. patterns, mm-hmm. and it just prevalent in that family tree, let's say. Yeah. And uh, in your suffering, though, you can learn who Christ is because your weakness becomes the strength. Because in order to stay the course and to have healthy thoughts, you lean on his word. Yeah. You have to come to Christ. Yeah. You know, but as a new believer and a young lady, she needs somebody to mentor her and come up alongside her. Maybe she doesn't know what that looks like. You know, what are the daily steps? How, what yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I always think of the verse that nothing is overtaking you. No temptation is overtaking you. It's not coming. Okay. It all would deal with how to manage your parents. Mm-hmm. All of us deal with jobs that stink sometimes. Mm-hmm. Things we don't want to do. I would say welcome to adult life. Mm-hmm. And someone who's, you know, 20 plus years older than you, I would tell yeah. you need to think of them on you. Yeah. And then you embrace what God is teaching you right now at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Psalm, one of the psalms that might point to would be Psalm 103. Okay. And just, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of these issues, but you also speak to your soul and tell yourself to praise God and be reminded of all the good things that you do have in Christ. Yeah. And, and, but, and also this would connect with the encouragement that, yeah, the psalmist and a lot of other people, it doesn't happen naturally. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to remind ourselves and and speak to our downtrodden heart mm-hmm. to not forget God's mercy and then you and then even in that that song would be a just good place to meditate a long time because you have God's being patient and knowing we're dust mm-hmm. and encouraging her to God's patient with you too so that you want to say. Yeah, Psalm one three is a great example. Yeah. Romans five. Romans five. Okay. What what was it, it states that you know we have to find the glory in our sufferings. Mm. We are going to be presented with multiple things through life, and we have to understand that these these sufferings are things that we have to go through to gain knowledge, to gain uh, perspective on what mm-hmm. to do next and how to proceed after mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. Romans five is a great example of how. Reorienting a theology of suffering, right? That suffering, that in some ways, a number of the, the ways that she has suffered or is suffering is that, that God uses suffering to produce character, right? And he, he actually wants it, he, he actually desires to, he's going to redeem it. So he, he's going to do more than just get you out of it. 
he's going to redeem it. And there's no promise as to the full extent of it, but he's going to redeem it by, by using it to produce, to produce endurance. Right? And that the, the ability to, to uh, hold up under it. But that endurance is going to produce character. Right? Suffering produces endurance. He said, Roman size says, endurance produces character. And so this, this endurance is going to become who you are. He's actually changing you through this. He's redeeming it and changing you. He says, and that endurance or that character produces hope. Right? And hope doesn't put us to shame. Hope, he, he says, he says that, that, that character, you're going to be able to look back, you're going to be able to look at your life, and at this point you can actually already, probably, there's probably evidence in her life already. You say, look at how God has used this to change who you are. Doesn't that give you hope for what he's doing through this? Right? That, that, that this is bigger and wider and broader than just uh, trying to get out of this. He loves you and he's redeeming. He's, gonna, he's giving you hope. Which also helps us to understand the disconnect that exists when suffering doesn't produce hope. Right? Because God says it does. God says suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. That the end result of suffering for the Christian is hope. And so when that doesn't happen, there is a disconnect. Right? That we need to, when suffering's producing hopelessness, then we, it's because we're misunderstanding. What's happening? We have a different view, a different, yeah, a different worldview of, of, of what's happening here. I mean, let, let alone, um, let alone the. Um, we go to Philippians four, right? Because right after it tells us to rejoice always. He tells us not to be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request to God, right? We, we can call it's a call to prayer, but it's a call to prayer with thanksgiving. In the moment where she has feels like she has nothing to be thankful for, right? We have an opportunity to identify some of the evidence, some of what's going on, some of the the things we could um, yeah, be thankful for. What what else? What might we? Uh, yeah. Um, like Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about his glory in the flesh. Um, maybe it's not appropriate in terms of, hey, God, I'm never taking this away from you. That's like the first thing you want to tell him. Yeah. There's hope in it. Yeah. But now, there needs to be truth and reality in that. Uh, God's grace is sufficient. And at the end of the day, you might, you might baffle some of these things. But mm-hmm. God's grace is sufficient with you. And in, in our weakness, and in your weakness, his power is so I think we have to be careful. Sometimes I think we can, especially maybe she's a new, new Christian, and she seems like a painful picture that yeah. Jesus is a, is a fix-all and all the pain is really Yeah. Yeah, that needs to be changed. That needs to be that, that expectation needs to be altered. Yeah, gently, <laughs> but 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 it, but no, but it needs conversation spread. Totally, totally. But but yeah, but it, but it, but we need but we need to because we know that that's. Right, that, that's a, a deep truth that is going to really shape this for her. Yes? Perhaps to go along with what we've been talking about, rehearsing the gospel. Yes. Uh, yes. Like a passage like First Peter 1. Mm. Here's, here's what it talks about. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes. now we talk about how yes. to deal with the hardships of life. Exactly, exactly. And this is, I mean... Yeah, this is exactly where I wanted to go next because you're so right. There's this, um, we, we can talk about how to deal with suffering because of God's sovereignty and his goodness, but at the core of this is an identification of who we are in Christ. What has he done? And what does that declare to be true about her, right? That she's a beloved child, right? That she's accepted no matter what, right? That she's been given an inheritance and that she's been adopted into his family, that, that, that she has a pattern that she can follow, because of her, her acceptance into, and, and that the shame has been covered, right? That there's, it's not just that, that she doesn't need to be ashamed because it's not shameful. She doesn't need to be ashamed because the shame's been covered. Because sometimes when, when you say, like, sometimes when you say, oh, don't be ashamed of that, it rings hollow, right? Like, ah, oh, but it just, but I feel like I just, it seems like I, I should, but what connects a lot more is that Christ has taken the shame, 
right? That he, what's declared to be true because of the gospel um, in, in all of this. What, what's been declared to be true? You've been united with Christ. Right? That's, that's true. This isn't about, you know, and I know you don't feel close to God. That's because this says that your, your emotion is declaring something that different than what the gospel has declared to be true. Right? That's what's happening in a lot of this, right? Her emotions are declaring something that the gospel, so the opposite of what the gospel has declared to be true. So how do we remind you of that? Yeah, how do you, we bring that along? Yes. Mm-hmm. That believing the gospel is so difficult because they're still caught up in trying to earn mm. and achieve. Mm-hmm. Going back to that verse, they just can't believe I'm forgiven. Yep. Like, I think it's like that dog returning with all you know, just like keep going back to <laughs> yep. the righteousness. And it's depressing. Yeah. Because if you're always measuring the success of your Christian life, performance thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if this was real. No, so, okay, so that's, so that's a great, that's a great observation because this is, and, and as a counselor, it's one of the most frustrating things, right? So you're like, I, wait, wait, no, I told you, like, we already talked about this. Like, why, yeah, why do you like, why do we keep going back to this, this thing that you have such a hard time, time believing? And, Again, there, there's, well, there's no silver bullet. Um, the, the image I like to use is that as counselors, it's our job to massage the truth into people's hearts. And we don't know. Oftentimes that doesn't sound, look like, I told you it, why didn't you just accept it and move on? Um, it involves, as we looked at in First Thessalonians 5.14, being patient even with the faint-hearted, patient with the weak, and, conti- and that's not patient to like sit back and do nothing, right? but patiently massaging the truth, saying, let me call you back again. Let me call you back again. Let me call you back again, as Christ does over and over with us. Right? Let me call you back to the things you keep forgetting, um, and, and, and entrust... The, the timing and the development to the Lord. Um, it, it can be hard to not be discouraged and feel like, oh, if I just knew the right thing to say, but it's not about the right thing to say, right? It's, it's about us faithfully bringing that word to bear, faithfully reminding of, 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 of gospel um, truth that, um, yeah, that, that is a, at the, at the core of how we're, called to minister to somebody who's depressed. And, and it, it, it kind of nicely leads us to, just kind of wrapping this up, the, the question I get in classes or even just in pastoral ministry all the time is, okay, well, I have this situation. What should I say here? Like, what should I start with, right? Where do I go? What passage should I use? And the truth is, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not there. And we can look at this and you say, okay, well, gosh, that's a lot. And it can be overwhelming. Right? But God hasn't called us to be the Holy Spirit. To be the end-all or the be-all. This is to faithfully love and speak truth and listen and be patient and bring the truth of God to bear. And when you say, how do I know which place to start? How do I know you know, to go fast or to go slow, and I, there, there's just two things I want to offer with that. The first is by asking for wisdom. James one gives us one of the most incredible promises in um, practical promises in, in the New Testament, and and it is a name it and claim it promise. He says, if there's not a lot of those, but he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask, and I will give it. The promise. He says, if we lack wisdom and we seek him, say, God, give me wisdom for this. So we need to seek God and seek just him. Say, okay, Lord, I have all of this, these possibilities. What should I say now? <laughs> right? What do I start with? Where, what's appropriate now? I don't know how to answer that. 
But the Holy Spirit does as you seek to minister in that moment, as you seek Him. And the second is just as you're encouraging them to remember God's grace for their shame, embrace God's grace for your counseling. God doesn't want to use you because you're going to get it absolutely perfect every time. You're going to push too hard sometimes, and you're going to not push hard enough others. And you're going to focus on sin when you should have been focusing on suffering, and you're going to focus on suffering when you should have been focused on sin. But God desires for you to learn from that, to grow in it, and His work in that person's life is not dependent on you getting it right. It's dependent on your faithfulness. See him now. That's not an excuse to not try, <laughs> right? I'll just say whatever. God will use it, uh, right? But, but, but a a way that we can work hard, push in, uh, seek to do good and speak truth, dependent upon His grace for not only for the other person but for our ministry as well. So I just want to leave you with that. Let me pray. Um, God, thank you again for just the magnitude of your love and your grace in our lives and in the lives of those uh, of our counselees, God, those that we minister to. Will you um, will you continue to grant us wisdom? Will you continue to grant us insight, Lord? Will you continue to honor our desire to be increasingly equipped with your word to um, love others well? Um, we thank you, Lord, for today and for the gift of the just teaching and the meditation on the word that we, that we receive. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Copyright 2015 IBCD. All rights reserved. More free audios are available at www.ibcd.org.